The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. We're on a journey from this world to that which is to come. I love this song, The Angel Band, because I know very soon Jesus is coming. 
Are you ready? And what will he say to you? There is a certain amount of understanding we need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is about Jesus. But emotion will not take us into the kingdom above. It is what we decide with our will and our actions in terms of whether or not we will accept the call of Jesus Christ. Now, we don't earn it. We don't deserve heaven. All of us, according to the book of Romans, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all start at the same place, destined for destruction. There is a kingdom of darkness and there is a kingdom of light. Those kingdoms have been very much confused one with another, so that today some think that their answers are found in the kingdom of darkness, while others mix the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light and believe that they're fine. Yesterday I spoke with you about Matthew, the sixth chapter, about the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. After the broadcast was finished, I continued to pray about the Our Father. I continued to try to understand the depth of what Jesus was telling us. He is telling us how we need to communicate and what our heart must be if we're going to enter into his kingdom. He taught his disciples to pray this prayer. It is not a prayer for the unsaved or those who are in rebellion against Almighty God. This is a prayer for those who choose to be, who want to be, disciples of Jesus Christ, and it gives us a very clear understanding about what our purpose is. Many people say to me, Pastor, I just can't seem to find my purpose. Well, the kingdom of darkness has lots of ideas about what your purpose is. Be all you can be. Go for it. When the times are tough, the tough get going, and, and all the foolishness. But let me review for you quickly, before I go further in this study of of how we regain our souls, how to save our souls. I don't want to forfeit my soul. I want my soul to be intact. But let's face the reality. Most of us, no, I'll be, I'll be very clear. All of us have had our soul eaten away by the powers of darkness and by our own foolishness. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin. It's death. So it's not about living the best life you can live. It's not about being all you can be. It's not about what you can accomplish in this life. It's about getting right with God. It's about entering into the incredible opportunity to be loved and cherished by Almighty God. It's about entering into that glorious place where we are loved with such compassion, where Jesus laid his life down for us, where fear is taken away, where depression is erased, where woundedness is healed where we're restored. None of this happens by the institutional church model. It happens by Jesus' model. His model was a living body of which he is the head. So let's look again, and this may shock some of you, and some of you maybe have never grasped this. I know men and women who have 
been very deliberate in their following of Jesus who have not understood this prayer. It is, without a doubt, the most dangerous prayer you can pray. It is not to be prayed casually. There are secrets buried in this prayer. And if those secrets are activated by your decision and by your will, you will either face judgment or you will find release and healing. I don't want you to find judgment. I want you to find release, joy, life. But they don't come cheaply. So let me just quickly walk and review through the Our Father as found in Matthew, the sixth chapter. You recognize this is the Sermon on the Mount. And you also probably, if you're at all familiar with this broadcast, recognize that the Sermon on the Mount is the Magna Carta that Jesus gave concerning the governance of the kingdom of God. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, you need to read carefully the Sermon on the Mount. Reese Howell, that wonderful intercessor, would read this prayer on his knees night after night and cry out to God that this sermon could be applied in full to his life. So let's review quickly this Lord's Prayer that I've been speaking about and the recapturing, the healing of our souls where the enemy has eaten away and stolen from us portions of our soul, causing addictions, depressions, anxieties, crashing and burning. It begins with a confession. Our Father. So Jesus is teaching us to pray, not as single individuals, but as a part of the body. Our Father. Hallowed be your name, or your name must be considered as holy. If you're going to come to our Father, you're going to have to first of all recognize that he expects you to deal with him as a holy person, set apart from the wickedness of this world's system, not a part of the devil's kingdom, but as separate. Also in the Greek words is the sense of, I must help establish the reality that God is holy, separate, righteous, innocent, Good. Remember, Jesus said to the rich young ruler, there is only one who is good. Then he prays, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, if you miss this, please, you need to grasp this. Stay with me and just Just hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to me. Your kingdom must come because you are holy. Your will must be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so a man prays or a woman prays, Lord, let your will be done in my life, even as your will is done in heaven. Now, if that person who prays that prayer, and this is where it's so dangerous, if the person who prays that prayer does not recognize that it's about the coming of the kingdom of Almighty God upon the earth, if he prays that prayer about his work, about his company, about his job, about his finances, 
and does not recognize that it is about the coming of the kingdom of God, of establishing the kingdom and his authority on the earth, then you are praying a prayer that will bring judgment upon your life. And I have watched as countless numbers of people have grasped the concept of praying, thy will be done in my life as your will is done in heaven. And then they don't focus everything about their life on bringing about the kingdom of God on the earth. They have just prayed judgment upon their life. And I have watched as that very painful judgment has come upon the lives of people who do not have as their primary focus the coming of the kingdom of God. Instead, they have their primary focus on being financially successful, paying their debts, taking care of their family. Because bottom line, they still see themselves as a part of the world system. They don't see themselves as being a part of the kingdom of God. Now, let me be very specific. If you have not shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with the people where you work, if you do not have testimonies of people who have turned their life over to Jesus Christ and been transformed by the gospel of the kingdom of God, then you do not have as the primary focus of your life the kingdom of God. There's something wrong in your life. And what's wrong is that you're still, in some sense, building your own kingdom separate from the kingdom of God. There are only two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of the power of self, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of selfishness, the kingdom of violence, the kingdom of my way. And there's the kingdom of humility. There's the kingdom of Jesus Christ. There's the divine authority of God that is for salvation, for transformation. So this prayer, the the Our Father, that we have all prayed for so many times unconsciously, not being aware that by praying this prayer, we've prayed judgment upon our lives. If our primary focus, if our only focus is not the kingdom of God upon the earth and the coming of that authority, the reason you go to that job is not to make money. The pagans do. The reason the pagans go to work, they don't like their job maybe, but they go to work so they can earn the money to pay for their rent or their mortgage and their car and their payments so they can have a lifestyle. The Christian does not walk that way before God. The Christian goes to the work assigned to him for the purpose of building the kingdom of God upon the earth, for bringing everything under the divine authority of Almighty God. Read carefully the book of the church, Ephesians, and it will tell you that the plan of God, the mystery of God, is to bring together Jews and Gentiles as one in the church and through the church to bring all things in the world under the headship of Jesus Christ. Now, please understand, I'm speaking in a very practical, day-by-day way. You wake up in the morning. What's the purpose of my life for this day? to build the kingdom of God, to bring the world under the authority of Almighty God. It's not for you to have a good time. It's not for you to have a life of luxury for yourself. It's not for you to pay your bills. It's to bring about the kingdom of God. Now, because of that, give us today our daily bread, is strengthen us, Almighty God, and we know that the bread spoken of here, 
Yes, it can be physical bread, but it is also give me the broken body of Jesus because Jesus said my body is real food and my blood is real drink. So, I, in the Lord's Prayer, am asking for the nourishment both spiritually and physically so that I can be about the business of the King, which is bringing about the kingdom of God on the earth. That is my only focus. First, to bring my children and my family under the Lordship of Jesus and then to bring many others under the Lordship of Jesus. That's why I do this radio broadcast. I'm broadcasting live on 780 AM in Washington, D.C. I'm also broadcasting live on YouTube and on many other platforms as we have been had the, as we've been having the way open before us. I come to announce the kingdom of God has come among us. Now our job is to bring that kingdom into the physical realm in which we live, our homes, our jobs, our friends. Our focus is healing in the kingdom of God. Our bottom line is love and compassion, and mercy, and long-suffering, hospitality, giving to the needy, caring for people. Because we're fulfilling the commission of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. The one thing that will block you from being able to fulfill this commission about the kingdom of God is holding on to anger and bitterness, separating from brothers and sisters. Lead us not into the parasmus, the the testing of our souls, the, the piercing of our hearts. Lord, save us from this and deliver us from the toil and the pain that comes into our life because of these testings. Now he continues, and I urge you, read carefully this sixth chapter. No one can serve two masters. You can't serve two kingdoms. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The world system operates on money. If your focus is money, you know which kingdom you're serving in, and it is not the kingdom of God. It's very clear. He says, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things. If that is your primary focus, praying that God will provide you with with what you need to pay your mortgage and pay your car, if that's your primary focus, you've missed it. Your primary focus has to be the building of the kingdom of God, the testimony of righteousness. Your, Your heavenly Father knows that you need them He's acknowledging we need food and we need shelter. But he's saying, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Now, if you go on through the seventh chapter, you quickly come to this incredible passage. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Who's he speaking about? Those who have prayed the Lord's Prayer. Those who have as their primary focus 
their only focus. Building the kingdom of God on the earth. Verse 13, he makes this statement again to clarify for us what the issues are. Enter through the narrow gate, that is the suffering gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But groaning for small is the gate, and suffering the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. By their fruit you will recognize them. Read carefully this seventh chapter. Now, I want to turn to another passage of Scripture as we finish this review. How are we going to save our souls? Well, first we have to know what will cause us to lose our soul. And Jesus talks about that. In Revelation chapter 21, I sometimes like to say with a smile, when someone asks me, Pastor, what's your address? I'll answer, Revelation 21. The New Jerusalem is is my home. Listen, Revelation 21. Jesus is saying, This is the risen Lord. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Wait a minute. Can I say something to you? Do you understand that what I'm saying to you today is real? This is not make-believe. This is reality. The kingdom of God has come among us, and it is an awesome kingdom. It is a kingdom of joy and life. It is a kingdom of of love and mercy and compassion. The kingdom of God is not of darkness. It's of light. So we come out into the light so that every portion of darkness in us can be exposed and the light overcomes the darkness and we are set free by grace, by his mercy. He says, I will give to the one thirsting out of the fountain of the water of life freely. The one overcoming will inherit these things. Wait a minute. The word overcoming is a dangerous word because it means there's going to be conflict around this issue. If you make the decision that you are going to seek first the kingdom of God in your life, and you are going to depart from the kingdom of darkness. You're not going to lie or cheat or steal. You're going to live by moral values as outlined in the scriptures. You're going to spend your time, energy, and money building the kingdom of God and and loving and serving people. You're going to have conflict. The ones overcoming will inherit these things, and I will be to him God and he will be to me a son. Now he's going to list things that will keep us out of this kingdom. But the cowardly, that is, those who are afraid to identify with the kingdom of God, pretend that they are a part of the kingdom of darkness to find acceptance and love. It's all false. It won't work. The cowardly. The unbelieving, those who will not believe that Jesus is who he says he is. He said he was God. He died on Calvary. He opened an avenue of escape from the kingdom of darkness where where we were all born. The abominable, those who are an abomination before the Lord. 
because of their wicked lifestyle. The murders, those who hate, those who kill babies. Now, if you've had an abortion, Jesus can forgive you and he's willing to forgive you, but you must turn aside from it and never again have another abortion and repent of the murder of that child that was in your womb. It was an innocent child. But there is redemption in this kingdom of God for murders and fornicators. Those who live in lust and uncleanness, they will not be a part of the kingdom of light. Magicians, the word here in the Greek is sorcery, pharmakia. We've all been taken by pharmakia. That's what the vax is. It's pharmakia. The magicians, the sorcerers. Those who turn to the dark arts. And the idolaters. It is idolatry to have your your interest and your focus on something other than building the kingdom of Jesus. That is idolatry. You may be thinking you're very pious and you're very religious and you pay your tithe and you have a church and you preach and you teach. But if your primary focus is not, if your only focus, I need to change that, is not primary. It's the only focus of your life is building the kingdom of God, loving people, healing the broken, lifting up the downtrodden. If that's not the whole focus of your life, then you're an idolater. You've put something ahead of the kingdom of Jesus. And all the liars, their part is in the lake, the one burning with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, I want to read another passage in the last chapter of Revelation. Now, please, I'm, I'm reading the list of things that destroy our souls, that many of us have participated in and could be identified with because we participated in these things of utter darkness. All of us have been guilty of sin before Almighty God. So it's not that one of us is better than another. All of us are being given the opportunity of leaving the kingdom of darkness and entering fully into the kingdom of light. Some of you are unwilling to lay down everything for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And the result is your soul is being eaten away with pride, arrogance, bitterness. And then things begin to erupt in your life. Addictions, addictions to drugs or food or television or video games. Things begin to erupt in your life like pornography, fornication, and you begin to lose your soul. Now, in Revelation 22, he becomes very specific. I'm going to begin reading with verse 14. This is Revelation 22, 14. Mark it and go back and read it, please. Blessed are the ones always doing his commandments. That is, blessed are the ones who live under the governance of the kingdom of God so that the authority will be theirs to the tree of life 
In other words, you're going to have to gain the authority to eat of that tree of life so you can live forever. They may enter into the city by the gates. Now, outside are the dogs. Please, in this culture, dogs were not pampered or worshipped as they are today. My heart grows sick as I see animal worship growing in America, where our pets are everything to us. Our pets are more expensive and more desirable to us than other people. But what does it mean outside are the dogs? That is outside of Jerusalem, the new city. Outside are the dogs, the carrion eaters, the consumers of death, the consumers of garbage. They're the, they're the garbage collectors. They, they strip the bones. They eat the dead. Outside are the, the consumers of death. Some of you are consumers of death. In the movies you watch, in the entertainment you participate in. I heard of a Christian man who loves the vampire series. He's considered in the scripture a dog. One who consumes death. Now, Jesus is giving us, at the end of time, the hit list of what caused men to lose their souls. Outside are the, are the dogs. Second on the list are the sorcerers, the, the workers of the dark arts, those who... those who participate in violence. Those who love to watch action movies where people are murdered. They are dogs. They are consumers of death, of violence, and they are sorcerers where they try to control their life with rituals, with potions, with crystals, who try to control their lives with with the deep arts. Again, the word in the Greek is pharmakia. A second time, he's telling us that pharmaceuticals really come out of sorcery, not science. Third, he lists fornicators. That is, people who fulfill the lust of their life by consuming other people, by using other people's bodies to satisfy their own sexual need. Sex is sacred. It was given to us by God. And it is for, yes, for procreation, to bring another life into the world. What an astonishing gift God has given us. But sex is also given to us to bring two people together as one, to become one flesh. Every person you have intercourse with, you have become one flesh with. And as you go on then to the next and the next, you lose more and more of your soul. Your soul is eaten away by the lust of your heart. And you become less and less capable of true friendship. I meet people today who, who don't seem to be able to form friendships. They'll be friends, and then suddenly they just cut and run. They're gone. Why? Because out of their life of fornication, their soul was eaten away. 
then I won't say more about that. I could say a lot more. But then next are the murders, those who kill and maim with their words, with their actions. Jesus said, if you're angry with your brother without cause, you're a murderer. And you will face the judgment. So it includes those who murder babies, the abortion doctors, those who participate in the abortion industry, those who go for those abortions. If they do not repent, they will be cast into the lake of fire at the day of judgment. And then finally, idolaters. Those who put their life ahead of the kingdom of God. I know many people who call themselves Christians who are in fact gross idolaters because their concern is their money and their lifestyle and providing. They try to get God to participate with them in their wickedness. But instead, they bring increased judgment on their life. And then the ones loving and doing a lie, all of the above are loving and doing a lie. I've been convicted of my lie. Often I have in the past prayed prayers that I was not willing to actually have God give me what I ask for. You realize that when you pray the Lord's Prayer, if the primary, if the only focus of your life is not building the kingdom of God, then you're loving and doing a lie. You may think you're very pious and you may think you're on the way to heaven, but you're not. You are living and doing a lie. Because the Christian, by definition, is a Christ follower. A Christian, by definition, has as his task the gospel commission to win the lost through love and compassion and mercy and sacrifice, to love the lost into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It's the only place of safety. It's the ark of God through which men and women can escape the wickedness of this age and be brought fully into that place of safety. Now, we're almost out of time today. I'm concerned that you understand what I've spoken about. And I'm very concerned that you, that you think I'm being judgmental or harsh. That's not where my heart is. My heart is filled with love and mercy and compassion. But I recognize that the modern church is completely off track, that the modern gospel is no gospel at all. There's this pleasant little sinner's prayer that they invite people to pray. Did you know you will not find that sinner's prayer anywhere in the scriptures? It is a lie. So people are supposed to raise their hand if they would like to follow Jesus, and then they're invited to come to the front. And they're invited to say this polite little sinner's prayer, Lord, I repent of my sins. I give you full control of my life. And then they're told they're saved. They were, in fact, just vaccinated against the true gospel of Jesus Christ that transforms a man or woman's life and causes them to leave their sin and leave the kingdom of darkness and enter into the kingdom of light through that narrow gate. The gospel of Jesus is not a feel-good gospel. It's not a cotton candy gospel. It's not an institutional gospel. It is not a cultural gospel. It cuts across all the lines of culture. It cuts across all the lines 
of this world system. Niebuhr's book, Christ and Culture. I've struggled with that book often. I first read it when I was in college. I believe that God, in his grace and in his mercy, wants to totally transform the culture of this world into the culture of the kingdom of God. And if he does that, the culture of this world will be utterly destroyed and cast down. And that's what the scripture tells us will happen. I'm awaiting now the coming of Jesus Christ. He said, you will not know the hour or the day. There are many indicators telling us that Jesus is coming soon. Some of you, as I was raised to believe in a post-trib resurrection, but many of you believe a pre-trib or a mid-trib. The mid-trib is a very attractive doctrine. I can't answer from the scriptures. I can argue every position. What I do know, and I can soundly say is truth, is that Jesus is coming again. And he's coming to receive unto himself a people who have made a covenant to depart from the dark kingdom of Satan and the dark kingdom of the human heart, to leave the kingdom of humanism, to leave the kingdom of modernity, and to enter into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, to leave our sin, to walk clean without sin, We'll make mistakes. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the deliberate choosing of the darkness, the deliberate choosing of rebellion against Almighty God. That's how Scripture defines sin, as choosing to rebel against the Most High. So the modern church is devoid of this gospel of righteousness and holiness. were saved by the grace and mercy and the blood of Jesus Christ and were transformed into a new creature. And then all of our heart is given to the loving of Jesus Christ, to our Father, to the Holy Spirit, and to the loving of our brothers and sisters in the church and to our loving of the lost and the dying who are still a part of the world system. This is our whole life. This is our our purpose for living. This is why I live. It's why I do this broadcast. It's the purpose of my life. Tomorrow we're going to go further with this. Some of you have lost much of your soul. And you're caught in addictions and you're caught in in all manner of wickedness. Now, how to save your soul? Begin to pray the Lord's Prayer and mean it. Begin to repent of every possible sin. Begin to repent. Follow carefully the Beatitudes found at the very opening of the Sermon on the Mount. This is not the modern church's way of entering the kingdom. This is Jesus' way of entering the kingdom. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit. That is, blessed is the man or woman who recognizes he has no power to save himself, that he is utterly wicked and given to darkness. Begin to weep and mourn over the wickedness of your own heart. Admit your condition. Begin to allow God to humble your heart before him and begin to hunger after righteousness, innocence. Begin to hunger after the truth of Scripture. Begin to devour this word of God. Jesus is coming again. If you'll read those Beatitudes, they are the step-by-step process by which a man or woman can enter into the kingdom of God. And then as you read the entire sermon, you'll begin to see the truth of being transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ into a totally different person. Well, thank you for joining me today on this broadcast of Pilgrim's Progress. Share it with a friend. And we've come to the end of the month. I really need to hear from you if the Holy Spirit is prompting you. If you believe this broadcast is important for America, then I need to hear from you. We have a fiduciary responsibility to pay the radio at the end of this month. We are still just over $2,000 short of being able to make that payment. Will you help me? Some of you can give that $1,000 or 2000 some of you can only give 5 or 10 or $20. If the Holy Spirit is calling you and your heart has been moved, then go to our website, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you can give online. Or you can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. The National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. All that you give will go to pay the expenses of doing this radio broadcast. I don't take any of it for me personally. I'm not on salary. I trust God for what he chooses to give me. Because, he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be given to you. I testify that that is true. Now let's pray again. Almighty God, I just know today there are many people who have lost portions or almost all of their soul, and they are sore pressed, and they are looking for a ray of hope I pray that your Holy Spirit will go to them right now with anointing power to break pride, to break wickedness, to turn their hearts toward your kingdom. Lord, I thank you. I bless your holy name. And let your blessing now rest on each person who has listened. Fill their hearts with joy and peace and love as they covenant to repent of their sins and turn to you. I pray this in your holy name. Amen. I'd love to meet you all. I pray someday soon I can. God bless you. Pray with me for revival in America. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.